of chills. I've always been after, like I, I have this thing where it's called the chill factory. So if I'm working on something and if it gives me chills, then I know it's something's working right. Um, here I am. I just, I love vinyl so much. I'm just constantly digging. It's really weird because I'm not really speaking to you in front of me. But I have to think of you as in front of me because if I don't, then I won't be able to speak to you. How you doing? <laughs> constantly digging. my neck and uh, proceeded after some beef broth soup uh, and applesauce to have some unformed exodi uh, unruly mob of waste persisting to leave my body and that is the best I have been done in these last several days. It has been a difficult few days for the physical Jonathan Wolf. Okay? And that's, you don't have to cry. Don't cry for me, Argentina. Uh, I will survive. I'm a big man. Not really. I'm a little guy. Small man. Physically. Big. Uh, large heart. Large soul. I can endure. I will endure. But it's been a tough few days. I, I've been physically sick. I'm getting more anemic. Uh, I've, I've had sort of like a throbbing head thing, which today actually feels a lot better um, that I, I attribute to the anemia getting worse. Uh, and I have been under the thumb of a fever the last several days uh, and ha had some frightening episodes, ended up vomiting the other night uh, when I could not get food to go down past my ulcer. So I think what's happening is the ulcer is getting blocked up. I'm a, uh, afraid to eat anything not liquid. So I'm only eating uh, broth with a little bit of marrow, bone marrow in it, and um, chicken broth as well, and applesauce, and very ripe bananas that I'm chewing very well. That's no way to live. It's one way to live. It's a way to live. I'm living. Um, that's fine. I, I do get some iron 
infused in my blood tomorrow to begin to wake me up into fullness. Uh, I'm down somewhere below a nine in my hemoglobin level. Okay, and I don't know what that refers to exactly. So I apologize. I do feel a little slow, uh, and I apologize if you need it faster and harder than I'm giving it to you right now. But uh, this is what I have. This is who I am right now, marching slowly towards you with purpose, sort of with purpose, and also with a resigned sense of self. Uh, sort of a sorrowful, but not tearful movement in your direction. Determined, but not pushy. You understand? It's a, it's a slow train coming. I'm looking outside at the ivy blowing in the breeze. It's beautiful. It's an overcast day. I, I'm one to prefer sunshine. But something about this day is, 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 there's a beauty to it. At some point, uh, this ulcer in me is going to block up completely. Now, I've already gone to, I think it was a year ago or so, where I went to my doctor, maybe longer. It may have been captured on the podcast. I don't know. And I asked my doctor, um, can, you know, can we just set up the surgery where we remove the ulcer? Because there's a, a hardened scar tissue and it's getting the opening from the small to large intestine. Not to be too graphic, but you can handle it. You're all adults, uh, except for those of you who are children. Uh, and the opening from my small intestine to my large intestine is getting smaller and smaller. So, you know, it's supposed to be the size of a quarter. A couple of years ago, it was the size of a dime and smaller and so forth. Maybe it's supposed to be actually the size of a silver dollar, I do believe, if you think about the size of a small intestine. Uh, or any, uh, you know, think of a sausage. There you go. There's an image. And mine is getting smaller and smaller because of the scar tissue, because of the constant, you know, microscopic bleeding that's making me anemic. It's all related. And once it gets too small, uh, then I can't pass food through. And then I vomit it up like I did the other night, which I, I believe, and I didn't even eat that much. And I didn't have cramping, which I sometimes do in that occasion when I eat too much. But I just had a little bit of soup with some chicken in it. Uh, chicken soup. I believe it's called. And I, I, several hours later, it, it just couldn't go through, I think, and, and I, I ended up uh, throwing it up. And that was a bad night. I felt better after that. And uh, today, I actually feel much better, despite the crick and uh, the, the liquid hate pouring out of me. You know, I, I feel uh, much better. I just want to know what I'm supposed to do. I have to get, I can't be paying for the surgery out of pocket. I don't have insurance. I haven't gotten the Obamacare yet. I know I need to. What should I get? <laughs>
If you people have gotten it yet, have gotten some insurance, what what is the one? Okay. The Wandering Wolf Podcast at gmail.com. Tell me, tell me. But it's scary. It's scary. I, 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 I have an aloneness, you know. I, luckily, I have my family around. My mom came down, hung out with me all day, basically, you know, just took care of me. Liz, my sister-in-law, made me a broth. Her and my brother came by and brought the broth. So without that, those people... I'd feel, you know, utterly alone when you're sick. It's not the same as being healthy and alone where you kind of feel free or something and you feel loose. But uh, you got to, you know, one comes with the other. So, uh, you know, I'm in the market for insurance. I'm in the market for wives. That's the wrong reason to marry. Right? That's the yes. Yes, I'll answer that myself. Yes, that's the wrong reason to marry. But but seriously, I, I, I will have to get this surgery soon, and I don't know when, and the doctor wouldn't do it without the thing blocking up completely. So what, I have to like be in utter and dire suffering and close to death before I can get the damn thing cut out? It's like, let's just get rid of it. But, you know, they say, well, the Crohn's comes back, blah, 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 blah. Okay, well, at least it's a fresh start, I feel like. I just, and I know it's not, it's nothing to sneeze at. It's a big surgery. It's major. Anything that's sort of internal like that is uh, is a major thing. And I know I'm not looking forward to it, but it's getting harder and harder for me to eat anything and it to... Uh, pass through me in a way that seems purposed in the in the fashion that uh, God created the original man in woman as well my body perverts things and does weird strange things to to whatever might imp- be input so i've just been sitting around watching these movies and i have to go to texas i'm going to texas Denton, Austin, I'm there. It's like uh, tomorrow, you know what I mean? So come see me today, t- tomorrow. So Wednesday and Thursday, the, the 11th and 12th. 11th, I'm in Denton, and 12th, I'm in Austin. Come see me. Say hi. Hopefully, I put on a good show. I'm going to do my very best. I always put forth 100% of my effort. Uh, and I'll be there in all aspects of my being, physically and otherwise. God willing. But I'm alive. I'm still here. And I don't, I don't intend to expire anytime uh, soon. I, it's just that I got to get this thing out of me, I feel like. I think it's, it's becoming a big problem. And I don't want to scapegoat the ulcer, you know, for the whole of the problem. There are other things going on within me. Uh, and I, and I also, I know that I don't want to run this thing with sick talk, uh, all up. Okay. Is we have, uh, David Matson coming up and we do a lot of good talk uh, about music and creativity and other, other stuff. Perhaps we should just move in that direction. 
I look forward to seeing you down in Texas. Yeah, so so Dave and I talked. You know, Dave and I uh, have had some times. We were best friends for a while, sort of at the inception of the whole Anticon thing, Mush Records thing, Cloud Dead thing, uh, Reaching Quiet thing. We were best buds. We, we worked hand in hand on several records together and uh, I think complemented each other's stilos very well. And then we had a falling out. Dave and I, you know, didn't talk for a while, did talk for a little while, didn't talk for a while, you know, this sort of thing that I've had with several people in my life. Uh, and you got to get real close to somebody to uh, to have to not see them. You know what I mean? So there's an intimacy there that we've shared uh, some times. It's it's like that. Either it has to be like an artistic intimacy, or it has to be like a, a, a physical or sexual intimacy. Dave and I had the artistic kind and uh, struggled. For a while, and I don't want to go into that, or, or even, you know, remember all all the uh, details and whatnot. But we've had there's been a rocky road, so it, it was really nice to uh, sit down and spend a couple hours just talking to David, and uh, not having to be about any drama was very nice not that we have uh, personal drama uh, anymore at this point but I haven't actually sat down with him and talked for a long time I'll see him here or there but yeah we haven't we haven't had any intimate conversation for a while it's nice to be able to do that Dave is a very influential person on my early career uh, and I learned a hell of a lot from working with him uh, about production and engineering and just how to think about music, you know, what music to listen to and like, lots of stuff. Odd no stum is what he goes by in the, uh, in the public sphere, public sector. So let's get into this conversation with David. David, David, David. David. How you doing? Jump right in, bro. Sorry, that's how I do it. That's how I do it. Just to try to get, get, uh... Tony, it's been years, man. What's <laughs> up? <laughs> oh, Alright, I'm sitting here with David Madsen. And his beautiful... Berkeley Cottage with the pillow hanging in. <laughs> uh, it's uh, getting sun cleansed. cleansed oh, okay. by the sun. Gotcha. Um, cedar, cedar wood. So, uh, yeah, how's life? What are you up to lately, man? What's going on? We, we, don't, we barely ever talk. I like that necklace. It's fucking great. Where'd you get that? These uh, are two different types of beads. They're from Haiti. Okay. One is supposedly uh, to ward off 
bad vibes, and the other one is to actually uh, attract good vibes. Okay. And uh, I got him about. Actually, the day I met Serengeti was when I got these. He came out here to do a, a Haiti benefit show. Okay. At Bottom of the Hill, and that was what five years ago. I remember hearing about that actually. Yeah. Cool. Um. So what what are you working on lately? Do you have anything that you're focused on at the at the moment? You always seem to have something. Yeah. Uh, like the last like almost about a year, I've been working on a, a, a follow up to the Kenny Dennis LP, and we're. 98% done. Okay. It's super close. Right. And I, I heard a bunch of tracks off that. It sounds great. Yeah. I like it a lot. It's different. It has a, a bit of a looser vibe on his end, I think. Um, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah, I don't want to give away too much uh, about it, but it's it's a concept album where uh, Kenny's just having a time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and we have... Uh, we have uh, it's like 20 tracks at this point, but I think we're going to do an album, a single vinyl album, 10 songs, and then an EP. Uh, and the EP, it will be mostly with Durs. Okay. So we have... He, and the Durs stuff is great. It's, like he's like Durs is rapping or talking or what? Same, same, the skit, style, the same style. Same style. Yeah, skits. yeah. But these are better, I think, than the last cool. one. Cool. And... Uh, How do they write those? Do they... Does, does Dave write those or, do, or does Durs... Right, come up with his own shit. I think they just bounce ideas off each other, and this this particular these skits, it's about them going on tour. Okay. So it it, it lasts about two weeks, and they just really just get into fleshing out these different like okay now we're on tour and now we're doing this and now we're doing that and then. How, how do you come up with like? How do you decide on what beats to go for? Go for like Kenny Dennis shit. Like, is there a sound for that shit? Even versus other Serengeti yeah, I mean, shit, or versus I, you, know, you know, this is what our fifth fifth project at this point. It's just uh, sorry that I'm pausing. I'm trying to. No, it's fine, man. It's fine. It's not radio. It's natural. It should be. However, you, you got to edit out every single no, one of these pauses. Hell no. Um, yeah, it's just uh, the more the more music that we make together. There's just a, it seems like there's a certain style that just that we just prefer. Um, the first stuff we were doing was really layered, uh, a lot of scratching, a lot of drums, a lot of samples. Like the CAR record. Yeah. Okay. And the you know the first Kenny, and then also the CAB cab. So yeah, there's you know, and then but that was also Joe uh, was involved. In the, in the production of those three projects. And then when we did the Kenny LP, Jeff was on tour, so it was pretty much up to me to do all the production. And we, I just, I've been getting into more minimal production in general. Like, uh, I have some solo material that, that'll be coming out through Leaving Records and Stone's Throw, hopefully this year. It's called Sisters, and it's just, it's a very uh, intense, uh, melodic, I, I would even say it's spiritual. It's very meditative for me, music, and it's uh, it's very raw. It's just it's not the really heavy, dense stuff of mine. I, so. I mean, I feel like you started very raw. Like if we go back oh, yeah, to the yeah, very yeah, beginning, yeah. so I mean, maybe you're coming full circle. Do you feel like do you feel that way? That's exactly how it feels. Yeah, yeah. The last two or three years, I feel like I've 
really come into a space where I where I I don't I'm not too concerned with what anybody else is doing, what's what's you know what's going on in the music industry, what's I just just do what I what, what I'm into. Yeah, and, and and still like I still sample records. You know, it's always vinyl sampling. Is that how you've uh, always done it? Like all throughout? Since, yeah, since day one. Yeah. You ne- so you you I mean I know early on you were doing that so you never like got into keyboards or or like or like oh I always have a keyboard around I mean yeah I, I, for I, bass lines and stuff or yeah if I just want to fatten something up or or if I would you know like if, if I'm hearing a melody and I can't find a sample or right. chop something up and it's always easier to play a melody on a keyboard than you're, it is to you're a rare that's a rare guy left that's still like going through like doing it that collage way going through all the records right i mean there's it doesn't seem to me like that many people are doing that like you go like a lot of people are doing things on you know synthesized but see, but that's what i was saying shit. like i i honestly don't know what i mean i know but you like know i know that. i i know yeah. for the in general what people are up to but I, I don't care and i don't as long as it's good as long as what they're making is good Sure. Then that's all I care about. Like, uh, and it, it is nice to hear something where you're like, I don't know how this was made. It, I, I have no idea what program or what, you know. So for me, it's just I just I love vinyl so much, you know. And, and I, I I'm just constantly digging. I mean, I've never stopped, you know. For yeah. Like the last 15 years, 16 years, it's just nonstop. You have spots here that you like that oh, you yeah, go to. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Should I can I ask you or maybe there's you're not I mean there's just different thrift stores there's some yeah. junk junk shops that I often go to uh yards yard sales I just came up big time on a recent yard sale you know and it's, you just never know when something's going to pop up Can you estimate how many records you might have Uh definitely in the in the, in the thousands I don't I don't know Christ Yeah Yeah it, it, I mean I have a whole room just for my records and stereo and and you know, and again, like I, I really like the process of finding just the most random stuff. It doesn't matter when it when it came out, what style of music. Um, I'm always looking for private press stuff or you know just stuff that just you know flew under the radar. You know, and uh, and then you know you bring the bring the records home, and it, it's such a great feeling to like drop the needle and you, you hear a drum break or some kind of great sound where you're like, wow, I could really do something with Is this that sound. Do you pretty much needle drop each song on a record right when you get it, the day we, the day you come home kind of thing, like excitedly? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Or do you, will you sit there and listen to a whole record or only if it's dope? It, 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 it depends. I mean, I, I, I also bring, you know, I, 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 I'm always looking for 45, so 45s, it's a lot easier to just listen to the whole song. I mean, just can, as a collector kind of? Or, or, or even for sampling. Well, for, I mean, yeah, but, but I mean, I also DJ weekly, um, so forty fives are just great because they're convenient and they sound really good. And you can find so much, you know, obscure music on forty fives that you just, you know, because so many artists, bands put out only a forty five or something. Out, yeah, yeah, you know, a couple forty fives, and then they never had an LP. Yeah. And people are just always get, tossing out, you know. For some reason, people just just get rid of their forty fives. They get the, you know, gr- grandma dies, and you know we don't need these forty fives, so they get rid of them. And, right. You know, if you're if you're interested in that format, it's 
it's well worth it to 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 dive into it because it just the sound the sound of a you know like a like a vocal group like a 60s soul r&b vocal group on 45 you know like just magical it's very rich and warm yeah yeah and I, you know and i got some buddies that you know we dj at, at this bar that i live a couple blocks from called the missouri lounge and we really get into playing like obscure soul and funk and do you, is psychedelic it, rock so you know you do it weekly do you feel like every week you, you got to come with something something new even even just for jeff or something or or, or colin or whoever I mean, it took me years of, to to understand that you know it. It's more exciting for yourself as a DJ to always bring something fresh. Yeah. You know, and then maybe after a couple months, you, you. And I tend to organize my records in a way where I, like, okay, this is what I played last week, and it's in this pile right here. So let me just not even look at that pile. Right. And I'll just go through, you know, uh, the stacks that I haven't touched in a while. And, yeah, it just makes it more interesting as a DJ, and I'm sure most DJs would, would agree that it, you know, it gets kind of boring playing the same. I mean, you know, you might have a hot set, but it gets kind of boring, you know. It's, yeah. And you can, for me, I like to switch it up. And we also do themed on Fridays. My, my you know, Walty. Yeah. Uh, Mike Walty, awesome guy, great producer. He, uh, him and I do Fridays together, and you know, often we'll do like, okay we're just going to do world music this week. Okay. You know? So I'll bring a lot of world music along with, you know, typical funk and rock and roll stuff that people like to hear. And Yeah, so we just mix it up. Sometimes we'll do hip-hop, you know, we'll do, like, 60s slow jams, you know, like soul vocal groups. Do you, do you have a certain type of record or, ty- or type of genre that you go for or know to look for for sampling like do you, you you're like okay i know that like 60 psych shit will have the kind of sounds i want for for you know even if it's during a, a, the making of a song and you're looking you know you need this this one candy thing you know like to top it off so they're like okay this I mean, kind of record it's it's more like just uh, time periods and uh and also just how obscure the record is it seems like Right, because you know I have a better. I have better luck when I get private press LPs, which because you're not you're not clearing shit, right? Yeah, and I'm also not sampling stuff that I don't think the the person that created the, the song would would recognize the sample. I mean, I you know they're you're altering them enough. Back in the day, I did. I mean, you know, back when we started out, oh, I sure, didn't, you know, sure. I, didn't, I, I was just sampling. No one gave the hell a fuck back then. But no, I'm, I'm very, you know, ever since I did the, you know, the Time soundtrack, the Element soundtrack, that was, what, 2007 when I created that, I was like, wow, so I'm doing something that has potential, so I better make sure that whatever I sample is either so obscure or I warp the sample in a way where it's unrecognizable. Right. So I've pretty much... And that's the thing, man. Like I've, I find a lot of stuff, and I'm like, I, I can't sample this, man. Like, I, you know, like maybe I'll, I mean, I'll sample it, and I'll make a little beat just for myself just to listen to yeah i know that it's you know I, I probably better not that shouldn't end up on a getty record or something right do you do you still um you still get all your drums pretty much at, from breaks off of off of records as well or oh yeah yeah and also 
Actually, the first piece of equipment I bought was a rolling drum machine. Okay. And uh, so I used that for like. You mean a, back in the day, like late, was, late 90s? Like the very, yeah, the very yeah. first. In 98, I bought a Tascam cassette track and then a rolling drum machine. I don't remember the, the model. And then the, the Dr. Sample 202. And I didn't use the drum machine for years. I just kept it in a box. Well, and, fuck it. Let's go back to that era because you brought it up. Might as well take it, take it back there. Um, walk me through where you were at. Why did you buy that shit? Um, I mean, I grew up my whole life hearing uh, hip hop music, pretty much. Let's preface this well, so actually by saying that we grew up two one, two neighborhoods next to each other. Right, and we've known each other. You grew up you know, in Kennedy Heights. I grew up in Pleasant Ridge, and we went to Pleasant Ridge Elementary School together. You were in Josiah's class, my brother's class. I think I met your brother in 81. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, you know, I knew you since you were a little guy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, you know, the, the growing up in Cincinnati, it was, you know, we had radio stations like WBLZ where you would hear, like, early... I mean, I didn't know what it was. We, we called it breakdancing music, you know, and, like, we'd hear, like, songs like Scorpio by Grandmaster Flash and, you know, just... Whatever, I'll just whatever was on the radio. Early, early. You know, there wasn't that much. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. when it was before the the movies were coming out and all that stuff, which was like more the you know mid '80s when Breaking and those kind of films came out. And, but anyways, yeah. So I, I just I, that was the music that I was just drawn to from a you know very young age, and then followed hip hop pretty much until about '94 '95. When I just lost interest in the in the sound and what about it made you lose interest? Just the just the just the pr- production. I just lost interest in the production and I didn't know anything about what was going on in the underground. I feel like coincidentally that's when drum machines came into play in well, a way. A lot of things changed around that time. I mean, when that's you, that's not accurate because they do drum machines way early on, but that was like a switch back to drum machines. Well, yeah, I mean, it used to be you know you had a live band recreating like a, a classic disco break you know uh, and then and then it got into like um drum machines and then it got into sampling like once people figured that out about marley marl was supposedly the first one to to really sample and like chop up drum breaks and replay them and and then you know the whatever you want to call it the golden era you know the late 80s up until about 93 94 that's when producers were going crazy sampling everything and then of course uh you had all these lawsuits and it got to the point where if you were, I don't know the exact details of how it all went down, but it, from my perspective, it seems like if you were going to do a, an album or, or a single on a major label, you either had to clear it, clear the sample and pay a lot of money, or you had to just not sample. Right. So I think that's part of what happened. But yeah, um, anyways, so... Around 94, 95, I just found that, you know, the music, I just was losing interest. I was getting older. Um, I graduated high school in 94, and I had started hanging out with this, this skater kid and got back into skateboarding, and he turned me on to Pavement, uh, My Bloody Valentine, the bands like the Swirlies, just cool... Uh, indie rock. And, yeah, indie rock in general. Better, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shoegaze stuff, and... 
around 97, I was working at a fondue restaurant, uh, the Melting Pot. <laughs> and I, I honestly, I had no idea what the hell I was doing with my life. You know, I was, I was sober at the time, and I was like, you hadn't gone to school. Well, to college, I mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I went to UC, University of Cincinnati, and didn't make it. Half-heartedly. I think I flunked out uh, third semester. Okay. Anyways, I'm just trying to get to the to the sure to the good stuff. But yeah, so I, uh, you know, I was hanging out and partying with stupid people and doing dumb shit, and I decided like I'm gonna sober up and I'm gonna go to art school. And you so, had always you had always <clears throat> done art. All your oh, yeah, life. Yeah, 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 I remember, you know, even as kids, it was like, you know, oh, Dave, Dave Madsen's the best drawer. You just always had that rep. Yeah, my mom loves telling the story that if I was, as a, you know, as a two-year-old, if I was freaking out, she would give me a piece of paper and a pencil, and that would be the one thing that would always work. It would yeah. calm me down instantly. So, yeah, I've been drawing my whole life, and, uh, um... So again, so around 97, I was working at this restaurant, uh, and there was the, the kitchen manager turned me on to Frank Zappa, and he would he would bring in these Zappa tapes, and he was a bass player, and he would talk about like, oh man, you know, I got this group, and we're recording on four track, and I didn't I didn't know what that meant, and then I would bring in old uh, these like hip hop mixes that I made, you know, 10 years prior, and I would bring those in and bring these old tapes in, and just play play these tapes and there were like some really strange collage stuff that I was doing in like I don't know 94 some of that shit you did tapes. on like the Genesis or whatever yeah exactly yeah but even before that just doing just uh, you know you have yeah. a double tape deck and then sure. you just you just kind of create loops by pausing and um, anyway so I, I, I would play those <clears throat> I'd play these tapes and my ma manager was like hey you should you have you ever thought about making hip-hop uh, hip music or beats? And I was like, no, I never. But I always loved beats. I was always a, a, a beat hit ever since I was a kid. I always loved beats. And I would always be like, what the, how, how is this music, what, what is this music? I didn't understand the sample. Like, yeah. when I heard De La Soul's Three Feet High and Rising, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. It was like, this doesn't sound like anything else on the radio right now. It doesn't, it's just like, how, what, where is this music coming from? I, I didn't right. understand the concept of sampling. And then I found in my my parents' record collection they had the the Wilson Pickett Hey Jude album, which is potholes or something. It no, it's the transmitting live from Mars. Okay, you know that little tune. Yeah, which is yep. the one they got sa uh, sued over because it's it's a turtle sample and it's a Wilson Pickett sample combined. And then they have the the French. Yeah. Amidi. Amidi. Yeah. Amidi. <laughs> So, so anyways, I, I I found the sample, which is the it's like an organ tone, organ drone with the little drum beat, and I was that's I mean I, I was, it just blew my mind. I was like, this is what is on, this is like the the beat of transmitting live from Mars on the first Daylight album, and so that's when I was okay, yeah, like I get it now. And then I went to a local music shop, not not too far from I don't know, whatever. Um, and they had uh, they had the, the Doctor Sample SP202, and it was cheap. It was like four three hundred dollars maybe. And I was just like, yeah, let's let's do this. And then I you know I got an eight track, the cassette eight track, and I had the drum machine, but I didn't I just didn't use the drum machine. I was just strictly in the sampling. Uh huh. And this was like January of '98, and I think within uh, I don't remember when we ran we. 
you and I ran into each other. I was selling prints of, uh, I had this Bob Marley painting and a Jimi Hendrix painting, and I was selling prints of them at, at everybody's records. That's right. And we, you came in there and you had a little afro going and you were... Was that selling tapes? I don't know what you were doing, but you, you, uh, you, were, you were in, you know... You were doing music. You you were in that I zone. Think, I think I was selling. Might have been selling those people cage tapes if those were done yet. I'm not sure. To them there. No, because maybe I was just buying music. I, I remember know. you because you, yeah when we were hanging out you were still working on people okay. cage. Okay. Okay. Um, anyway, so I was selling these prints. You came in. It was like oh shit, Yoni. We haven't seen each other forever. And you, you were like yo, we got this uh, band called Apogee. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Mr. Dibs, you know, Dose. The, so you you guys invited me over. Did you already know who Mr. Dibs was? I did, yeah. Like I knew who Boom Bip and Mr. Dibs. Um, I was I was huge fan of Dibs. Just Dose or no? No, no, no. So I'm yeah. So I met uh, you guys. You you invited me to an Apogee rehearsal, and that's when I met Dose. Okay. And I remember walking in. It was like a full band: Dibs, your brother J- Josiah, and Adam had his shirt off. He was sweaty. He was doing his thing, and I was like, man, who is this guy? Like this guy's. Crazy yeah. uh, presence, you know. He's a right. very, very uh, talented guy, you know. And, and I gave you, I gave you guys my first tape, which is called "Anecdotic Self-Portrait." And it was like all my early, you know. I got my equipment, and then six months later is when I, I roughly six months is when I ran into you guys and gave you the tape that I had made. It was like the very first music that I had made. And then you guys called me a few months later. Well, you at, at after the practice, you were like, "Come, come listen to these beats in my oh, yeah, car." Yeah. You were like, "Come listen to these beats in my car." And I came out, and you had your whole trunk was full of subs, and <laughs> yeah. and you played like three beats, and they were like dope, like dark as fuck, and like you know, just really dope. And, and I guess I asked you what you made them on. You're like Doctor Sample. Like we have a fucking Doctor Sample. That's what we've been using. Yeah, we ended up having the same uh, sampler. Yeah, so I remember maybe a few months went by, and then you guys called me and you were like, "Should come over." And, and then we made that shit yeah. on the Green Think, right? We did the. F- I helped you guys on the first Green Think, and then yeah, I mean, it's kind of a blur these days. But yeah, it was- yeah, it's hard to say what what yeah what exactly everything was. But I remember, yeah, you came over and. We worked on some. I think it was. Yeah, because you were doing people cages concert. at the time, and I'd, I'd come over and you'd, you'd play stuff that you were working on, and then Adam was doing. He had just finished it. Well, yeah, so the first time I came over there, that's when Adam turned me on to all this Buck 65, underground soul, rap, atmosphere, uh, uh, shapeshifters, all this stuff. And it's like, man, like, I, I can't believe that I, I went all these years thinking hip hop was just. I'm like done with hip hop, you know? Because I, I didn't know how to find that music, you know? I mean, I knew right. about Company Flow. I knew about Dr. Octagon. So you had kept a bit of a fire going with yeah. that shit. And yeah. I remember you liked, uh, who was that, the Juggernauts and, you know... Well, I didn't know about them until I met oh, you didn't know. Adam. That was Adam. I mean, Adam okay. turned me on. Like I said, he turned me on to so much stuff. And he, gave, okay. he just gave me tape after tape. And here, take this 12-inch and, and, and record it. Yeah. And I, I so I'd make tapes off of his tapes and some of the vinyl he'd give me and... Yeah, it just opened me up to so much stuff, and you know, he played me the deep puddle, played me them. You know, like I, I just got bombarded with all this music. And you like, got us into rock music. I mean, I hadn't I hadn't listened to any rock music that was current ish 
yeah. ever, really. You know, like, I, I was always into classic rock, but, um, you know, you, like, convinced me, like, okay, you gotta listen to this pavement. You actually gotta <laughs> listen to it. You gotta listen to this Silver Jews, like... Or God of Our Voices. God of Our Voices, like, give it a chance. Like, I know it sounds like a whiny white dude, but, like, you gotta give it a chance. And I did, and I fucking got really into it, definitely. Yeah, that's, that, that's crazy, man, when you think about... I was able to turn you guys on to that kind of stuff, and Adam was, he turned me on, uh, like I said, I mean, just countless yeah, amazing stuff, and... Yeah, I, definitely, then, I definitely wouldn't have gone the directions that I went without having those influences, like, without a doubt, like... That's the thing, is, like, I, I feel like you, you, you've always been after sort of that... You, you've always had a pop sensibility, you've always... I mean, you, you listen to people cages, and I mean, way back in that. I don't know, think that has. Maybe not people cages so much, but like or, or the, the split EP. There's yeah, certain yeah, tracks yeah. on there where it's like, and maybe by that time you had already been listening to enough pavement or something. And, I don't know, man. You 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 tell the people. I mean, yeah, sure. I was always into. Yeah, I mean, even just Beatlesy shit. I was into that shit. So. That was always, I guess, on the early stuff. But yeah, definitely later, like, 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 uh, Elephant Eyelash or something like that has a lot of shit that I think is like definitely influenced by by that indie rock stuff and and, and beyond that. Yeah. Yeah, it seemed like you just you decided to just dive in. You know, yeah. Full blown. And... So, what happened after that? I mean, so so we we started working together. Um, and then we were making tapes and selling them through the internet, right? Speaking of full full blown. Oh yeah, that was wasn't a, that a website that, that we were selling through? Full blown, yeah. ATAC. ATAC. Hip hop infinity. Yeah, there was that. That was a crazy time because I I think '98 was when I first got on the internet. You know, got my Hotmail address and. You could like find these message boards and somebody over here has this tape and they're talking about it and. Um, yeah, so I think within six months of us meeting or, or reconnecting and, and coming together, uh, we yeah, it was New Year's New Year's '99. We went to Minneapolis. That's right. That's right. And uh, you know, we met like Andy Broder and Atmosphere and all those guys, and, and we were driving back and we veered off the highway. <laughs> Left a long trail in the, in the median, and and that's when we decided we were like it was icy. Yeah, because we had we had recorded the first uh, the first track on the Cloud Dead album, the Apartment A Part One. We had that already recorded, and then after the accident, we the three of us were we were like, let's do this. You know, let's, okay. Let's do. I you know I don't know if we had the name yet or what, but. And we and 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 wasn't Robert involved in that? Like like because. This that that summer was when we really summer what ninety ninety nine yeah everything's hazy for me as well but but I know that I went to Spain that summer ninety nine and I know you you guys were calling me you know um or emailing whatever the fuck it was at that point and saying like yeah we're talking to Robert and Robert really wants to put out something that's like the shit we did. I think that spring we must have done this more shit on the blindfold. The second um, green think, and then he was like, "I want some. I want you guys to do some shit like that." 
Well, I think uh, Adam with, with you because he liked the, your, us on your production. The way I recall it is, is Adam. Adam knew Boom Bip and Robert. I guess uh, they did a deal for for the two of them to do an album, which was, was Circle. Circle. This is Mush Records we're talking about, by the way. We didn't say that. So, Dose One and Boom Bip, they came together. They did an album called Circle for Robert. Robert's label Mush, and then Robert. I don't know how I came into the picture, but we he heard the the Apartment A, the very first stuff that we recorded. And That's what I, I remember. The idea was like to do, to do seven inches, right? Um, and then you know the more the more we kicked around ideas, it was like oh, we, we, each seven inch would have a special guest, and then we'd have our solo seven inches, and then it turned into ten inches. Yeah, it's wow. And that became Cloud Dead. We didn't say that yet. That became Cloud Dead. Cloud Dead. And we had, uh, yeah, we sent those around. I mean, that that was like pretty much the kickstart for all of our careers, you know. Yeah, definitely. And then, uh, you know, we got picked up by Big Dada, the subsidiary of Ninja Tune. And I remember when we got that call. I was at your house. We were fucking around on what some reaching quiet shit or, or what? What were we fucking with at that time? Probably reaching quiet. Or the split EP shit, maybe. I mean, it might have still been... Yeah, I really, I don't remember. Anyway, we I, I know I was at your house, and we were mixing something in your room. At my parents' house. At your, I'm sorry, at your parents' <laughs> house. Yeah, at your parents' house. And we were mixing something in, in your room, and we got the call from Robert, uh, and we took the call in, in your mom's uh, studio, you know, the room next door. My, my mother's a belly dancer. So she has a studio that it's like got mirrors in it and shit like that. And we took the call. And you were looking at yourself in the mirror. I was looking at myself in the mirror. I've made it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he was like, he was like, yeah, you know, he was like, Ninja Tune wants to wants to license the record, and that it was like, that was a huge deal, you know, for us. Like we didn't. I mean, did you have any inkling that you would be successful in this thing that you were doing? Like, did you? No, no. I, I mean, like honestly, I still kind of feel that way today. Where I, I, I just care about the, the creative process. I, I just love music. I love that it's very meditative. You can sit down and just lose yourself. Time, time disappears. And it was the same way back then. You know, I was going to art school and I was just really diving into my creative side and my imagination. And, and so for me, I mean, you know, if we could have never got the call, and I probably would have would have still still been kept, doing it, kept doing it. You know, and it just we definitely had a lot of. Uh, we went down a lot of rocky roads, that's for sure. I mean, a lot of probably some bad turns here and there. <laughs> but yeah, it was you know. But I'll, did you did you ever have an urgency about like? Because I mean, hearing you say that is interesting. Because I I mean, I can't say that. You know what I mean? You can't say what that that it's always been that pure for me. Like I mean, I tr- I strive for p- that purity, but definitely. Um, I can get caught up in, you know, wanting more. You have some success and you want more success. Sure. That sort of thing. Um, I can say that in that moment that we got that call, uh, I was ecstatic and I had no previous idea that, that things would develop to that degree. But but definitely since then, since I got a taste of success, I want I wanted more, and I still want more. And then it, sometimes I'm able to get back to a purity. 
Yeah. And I'm striving for that. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's interesting. You know, I I meet so many people over the years. You've met so many people that are. They just seem like they're doing this music thing or whatever they're doing just for the wrong reasons, you know, and, and you can just, you, I've watched friends of ours just kind of lose their minds, you know, and but not kind of, but like just straight up, Yeah, that's that's not the same guy that I knew, you know, five, ten years ago. And, but I think you can do both in a way. I think that you can enter into a purity at times and when you're working and stuff. Well, I think you got to recognize that this is a business, and and the the the, what, the way the world works, the you know the more you understand that it's all just business, you know, and you know like when I'm when I'm sitting here in the cottage creating music, it's not it's not about it's nobody's business. It's it's just it's what I do, and and if I choose to um, go through the machine, you know, uh, of releasing music, you know, whether it's just on the internet or physical formats. You, you just got to see it for what it is that you're, you know, and you're, you're doing shows and it's all about you're in this venue, this giant box, a big sound system and lights. And, you know, you bring the people in, uh, get a, ho- hopefully they'll drink a bunch of alcohol, you know, and I mean, you know how that is venues, you know, you, you got to <laughs> if they don't make a lot of, you know, if they don't do well at the bar, uh, they're not going to be too nice, too they, nice they to you at the end of the night. Back. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I mean, it's just. For me, that's that's how I see things. I I I try to just see wh- what's really going on here. What is this all about, and how can I uh, maneuver my way through this without losing sight of like without losing my soul, like with just you know. And, and have you had times where you felt in in danger of that, of kind of like losing sight of what it is? And what is it? Is it is it still is it still sort of like how drawing was for you as a two year old, where it's something that? Yeah, I mean it's it's a. Uh, I just I feel this really intense, uh, very pa- passionate desire to, to create, and I and I I, I love the feeling of, of chills, you know, and I I've always been after like I. I have this thing where it's called the chill factor. So if I'm working on, on, on whatever it is I'm working on, it doesn't matter. If I'm working on something and if it gives me chills, then I know it's something's working right. And I, I would, it, would be, it would be very difficult for me to explain, okay, this is why it's creating this sensation on, you know, in, in my body, but that's what I go for. And, and so I'm losing my train of thought here, but yeah, it... it uh, <clears throat> No, that's pretty clear. I, I just I asked about the reasons why you do it, or, or yeah. Yeah, and, it, and and that's I think that's why I'm maybe my sound is is probably maybe a little bit more unique than than the average producer because I I have my I have very distinct ways that I create music, and I, I use very few tools. Um, I I stick to what. To what I can just I can sit down and I'm instantly working, you know. Just can I ask you what your what your tools are, what you what you use? Sure, yeah. I mean, I, I uh, maybe for the last few years I, I I don't really use samplers anymore. I uh, I pretty much just record uh, samples directly into Pro Tools, and I don't, I don't even use the grid in Pro Tools. I create my own grids. Uh, How do you create your own grids? 
well, you map it or something. Well, for example, like I'll I'll find a drum break uh, on a, on a on a record and I'll record that in the drum break, and I'll chop it up to where it's I'm I'm grooving to it now, you know, like yeah. like maybe it's not the funkiest drum break or something, and or I'll just get it going to where I'm my, my head's nodding, maybe I'm getting some chills, and I'm thinking, you know, this, okay, this is working, and then I'll create a block which that I can loop, you know, so. I don't know if that how much sense that's making. That makes sense to me. Yeah, so ba- basically, like a little uh, what, what, what do they call it? A sound bite, or um, and then I'll, I'll build the track from there, and maybe add in like a. a, a you me only on that. You'll you'll have a loop going on that once on that one loop, and you'll build everything on that. You're saying? Yeah, and then and then I'll just sit there and you know uh, select. Wow, you should edit this part out. <laughs> no, no, no. This this is great. This is great. I uh, love technical stuff. Man. Anyway, so yeah, I I I have a, a a way that I you'll kind of select all that and then and then and then loop all, and then um, copy and paste all that a- Apple D all that yeah down yeah, the line yeah yeah okay um, and then and then obviously fuck with it a ton after yeah so um, and I I I finally got well the last couple of years I, I got a hold of some really powerful plugins um so you don't know what called... bpms you're at oh i have no idea what bpms <laughs> yeah i like that and so go, go on the plugins, so, yeah but, so. but basically like like the, my approach to pro tools is is like i know what the program is capable of and i know for the most part what i'm going for and and how i can achieve that so as long as i got some great things to sample uh this particular way that i go about it which Anytime people come over and they see how I'm working, they're always trying to be like, well, what are you doing it this way for? You should right. try, do it this way. Or try right. this. And it's always like, you know, what, what, no, this is what works for me. You got your technique. So, yeah, yeah and then I, then I do, uh, uh, I have a, a pair of uh, distressors, which are very powerful compressor limiters, and I always run everything through those. Everything? Anymore, everything, everything, okay. everything. Goes but through. you can lightly touch it if you yeah, want. Yeah, it's yeah. It's just it's it's part of going because I, I have my cassette eight track, the same one I've had since for fifteen years. So you're using that as a mixer still, the eight track? Exactly. Yeah. So I've run. I'll have stuff going in Pro Tools, and once I get the music to where you know drums, a couple loops, you know, okay, this is this is working now. Um, then I'll outboard. Output it through the A track into the distressor, back into the A track, and then back into Pro Tools, and resample it. Not resample, but just re uh, record it back in, and then I'll you know I'll, so record I'll, the whole thing in. Either the whole thing or just the one sound bite. Okay. And then I'll just throw away the original sound bite, and I'll have this process sound bite, and you know. Uh huh. I, I also have an uh, uh, an original Space Echo. Roland Space Echo, which has amazing, amazing sounds coming out of that thing. It's like delay and reverb and yeah. tape, tape delay. Love those. But yeah, you know, I don't really use much more than that. Um, I use these uh, for a while. I was just you know sticking with the Pro Tool trains. Sorry about the trains, people. But yeah. that's real. That's real deal. Berkeley trains. It's West Berkeley. So yeah, um, I uh, I recently got a hold of these plugins called they're, they're fab filters okay and i never heard of them this buddy of mine and kyle uh he was like oh you'll love these and you know it's like awesome i'll check them out and they're just amazing man like uh, compared to the pro tool stock plugins so that's 
Fab filters. Previous, you, you had just been using the, the stock plugins? Yeah. yeah. And I also use the uh, Massey, Massey plugins, which are pretty cool. Have you bought those, or, or are you still like, you got to recall them every time? You... No, I bought the Massey. Okay, cool. Because when I first got them, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll just recall. I would just take a, take a picture of yeah. the screenshot. And, but then I was like, you know, I, I got a little bit of money. I'll buy them and support the guy. And... Yeah, he's a good guy. I, I got them for free from a friend who works with him. Okay. Um, and he, he's talking the guy up a lot. He, he thinks the guy's a genius and just... Um, you know, and and really tries to get his get it down to as as inexpensive for the consumer as possible. You know, yeah. he's a good guy. I also got a sub. Uh, I need to get a sub. Man, you, y'all that makes sh- all the difference, doesn't it? Y'all should have never let Nostom get a sub. <laughs> I'm serious, man. Like, it, it, so you're so. What were you doing previous? To, I would, but after you got rid of your car subs, that is. Well. Because I remember back in the day, you'd always listen to mixes in your car. Yeah, yeah. So in the 90s, I was big into building car stereos. Um, and I had some powerful Rockford Fosgate, really powerful stuff in my trunk. And, <clears throat> and I, you know, so the, the box that I built, it had two two ports. And I was really into the air. You know, the ports are like pushing this air out. And so when I got my, uh, I have event monitors that also have their dual ports. But they don't reproduce. You can't really, fe- uh, you can't hear like 40 hertz. Right. You know, but you you can feel the air coming out of the ports around 40 hertz. But 40 hertz is that that's like that's when you know that's when you're really shaking a room. Can you tell? Can you tell me what some of your favorite frequencies are? I can tell you what some of my least favorite frequencies or, or are. Or least favorite. Like you know three, three to five k. Just all that. Just all that harshness and yeah. Um, maybe there's that sort of 250 hertz yeah no, no one likes 200 300 where it's just kind of like oh, get out of here you know yeah yeah but so anyways uh, up until I got my sub about a, uh, six months ago I would just um, I put my hand up against the ports and I had learned I got a feel the for the ports it. of the events the ports of my studio monitors yeah, yeah, yeah so when i was you know when i was in back in the 90s when i was doing car stereos i i just sort of got a feel for what was coming out of the subs through the ports so when i got my events i was like wow you can really you know sometimes if you if you hit that 40 hertz really hard like a blast of wind will come out come out of the ports but you don't you don't really hear it you just so 40 is what you want for like the bottom of a kick because like you know a kick is really 60 i i feel like usually but like maybe I'm saying if you want that really that low, subby, subby that really shit, low where that's it's like just 40. Where, okay. where, where you're really shaking a room, where you're really like you know if you're in a like if you're playing at low in theory in L.A. I mean you, you drop something at 40 hertz, it's gonna be just you know, yeah, like, okay, yeah, 62 of course you know that's but right so when, when, yeah now that I have my sub, uh, I can really f- you can hone I in. can really hear and feel that 40 hertz you know yeah. that, that that area where it's just like. I can't believe I waited so long to get a sub, you know. Where does it where does it cross over at? Or like where do you start hearing where does the sub start coming into play? Well, I'm not sure how that works. I'm not I'm not exactly sure, but I I I I'm pretty sure it goes down to below 20 hertz. I mean, I, I No, but I'm saying at the top end. Oh. It, it may I it has some settings on there. I just set it to the the default. It's okay. a, it's a a KRK a KRK 10. 
How did you choose that one? Not to get this is boring for people listening. I'm just actually. I'll make it quick because you know I can shout out some. Uh, so Matthew David. Yeah, yeah. Uh, awesome guy runs Leaving Records. He he learned how to master from Daddy Kev. Yeah. And um, he got Daddy Kev gave Matthew David his old KRK ten. Okay. Which is just like a it's a powered powered sub. sub. Yeah, I, I can show it to you. It's yeah. a, so Matthew David got a hold of that, and then one day I was just like, okay, I, I have I have a little bit of money here. I really should invest in something, and, and I I should just get a sub, just do it. Yeah. And I asked Matthew, I was like, hey, what what kind of sub do you got? And he was like, well, it's the Kara K10, and I was like, all right, I'm getting that. Okay. And he was like, be careful, man. Like you know, you go past two or three, you know, you know, two out of ten, and you're it's just intense bass and mindset to like 1.4 okay and it's just it's ridiculous man. i'm getting it's it like, krk 10 uh, it's amazing done man. i can i can shake this whole cottage like like you wouldn't believe sure your neighbors love it yeah fortunately i i don't have you got pretty people much that bass. close so. yeah um everybody likes bass though man if it's like <laughs> <laughs> old ladies um cool man so okay what in our, back in our in the history of David Matson, yeah. we're, we're at basically where we started doing Cloud Dead, the first one. Um, I, I just was always astounded back then. You just had a real like Adam and I would really flounder to try to make beats and, and try to get things sounding good. And you just really had a knack, man. Your shit always sounded good from the from the get go when you were doing shit. You know that we were doing with no sequencer, just you know. That's one, true. The, the two hundred two doesn't have a sequencer. No and, sequencer. You know, people, one. people love rocking Doctor Samples these days. You know, Doctor Sample is like it's like the MPC or the SP twelve hundred right. now. One like that back then. But man, the two hundred two like you can make a loop and that's it. <laughs> that's it. You could have eight you could loops. Slow it down. Speed it up. Put a little. Well, that was it. see. That was the thing. It had the pitch control, man. Yeah, yeah. And that was like part of your whole gig i know pitch control on there and also on of course the eight track yep, to yep. get that that beefiness <laughs> in your drums right yeah i mean i you know i still don't understand it man I, like i said earlier I, I it's all about the chill factor and it's just i just feel this intense desire to just create and you know it's not always there but when it is i i do my best to n not ignore it and just let it let it let it come out you know and just just roll with it yeah not think too much about it you know because that, that's the other thing is when you're i i mean you know i could say that about you i mean there's you've made so many amazing songs you know and you've made so many amazing beats and it's like you know it there's there's something there's 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 something going on and 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 it's tapping into you i believe or you know i mean i want to say that i know but I, I don't know if i really know so I'll say that I believe this, that there's something tapping into you, whether, you know, you could say it's the universe. Um, and I think it's it's up to the individual to, to recognize what's tapping into them and, and, and let it out. You know, like, let, uh, you know, so if you're, if you find yourself really attracted to, to, to sound, you know, give it a try. Right. You know, and, and don't worry about anything. Just worry about is, you know, does this feel good? Does it feel right? You know, there's, there's so many things that I've dabbled with where I'm like, this is not for me. You know, like I, I tried oil painting in art school and I, I grew up a, a huge fan of, of 
Salvador Dali and you know just always thought oil painting could be something for me and then I tried it and I was like this is fuck this man like it's, it's so messy and like labor intensive and the, the oil paints anyways I'm not I'm not dissing oil painting I mean that that's I but love it wasn't it. for you I mean Odd Nerdrum which is where I got the odd for Odd Nostom he's he's an incredible oil painter and he's like a a twisted modern day Rembrandt so anyways yeah whatever so uh, but maybe maybe it's it's the role uh, it's what what being an artist is what the job of the artist is is to have the sensitivity to heed and translate and transmit that calling that's coming from the universe or from uh, God whatever you want to call it and being a good artist is having a lot of that sensitivity um, and really seeing it as clearly as you can. Yeah, it's just, you know, like my father's a chemical engineer, and he does, he designs from from the ground up, you know, alcohol plants that cost millions of dollars to build. And I, I have, I mean, I failed chemistry when I was in, in ninth grade, you know, much to my father's uh, disappointment, you know, and it's, some people, you know, people just, I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't, but I, I don't deny it, you know, like I, I recognize that, I'm an extremely visual person, and I sometimes it overwhelms me. Where I, I like, I cannot. It's like I wish that there was a, a, a knob where I can turn it down because it always feels like it's being turned up. On Isn't me. that what weed is? I don't know how you use weed. That's how I use it to melt. To like, I, I well that that's not a, to blow up your spot. That's say, a great question. Say you use weed on, that's, on a podcast. Oh, I, I definitely no, no one cares. I I actually got a hold of some probably like I would say like I. I try to avoid hyperbole, but I but I will say that I currently have in my possession probably the best weed I've ever smoked in my life. It's that's a, a fucking that's a, a strain, that's a statement right it's there. A, I will go on record and say that it's a strain called Champagne, and apparently it's. I'm gonna have to test you on that, dude. I, you can have some, man. I'll, but I'm glad you brought that up, though. You know, I I, I drink, I smoke, whatever, um, but never when I'm working. I, yeah. I, I like to be as uh, present and as clear-minded as possible, and I find that, you know, I can work from, let's say, like 10 to 5, you know, just kind of loosely working, hanging out, you know, make myself some food, maybe go for a bike ride, come back, and then, you know, once once I feel like, okay, I've done enough for the day, then it's like I'll, I'll pop over to the bar, I'll, I'll smoke some, some, some weed or whatever, and, and then... And then at the end of the night, it's I enjoy coming back to what I worked on in the day. Right, when you're fucked up listening to it. Yeah, yeah, because you, you have a totally different perspective, you know, and it, it's... it's. I do the same thing. I do... I mean, there was a time when I... when I, I never felt like I needed to get high to make music, but there was a time when I would experiment with that, like, you know... Uh, but it just doesn't... I just prefer... What, what period of your work would you say that were you smoking pot sometimes? I, I don't even remember. I, I don't. I don't. There wasn't a period where I was like, you know, where where, where it was like an everyday thing, where right. it was part of the process. Um, you know, often when I'm working with Joe, you know, it's a different story. But not to call him out. <laughs> no, no. He's never not. Or you know, or like Adam. You know, like I remember. Yeah. I mean, the first five years of from '98 to 2003, I was completely sober. I didn't drink. Right. I didn't smoke. And I literally every time I was hanging out with you and Adam, with you and Dose, you know, 
he was getting high, you know. And I think I was pretty sober at that time too. I don't know exactly what my years of of not smoking were, but they they definitely were there. Um, and, and and that's the thing is like like there's there's a lot of guys that I know that seem like they they really really need to smoke or they 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 believe that they need to smoke. Um, I don't know if it's you're, you're just I, I yeah I don't know how that works. I mean because I. Most more often than not, if I if if I'm stoned and I'm working, I tend to just I, I, I get confused and I start to stare off and you know just it just distracts me. Yeah, I, I I'll do uh, when I'm stoned. Occasionally, I'll I'll jot down a little idea um, or sometimes I'll record a little thing, but rarely does it become something when I record something. But like a lot of times, my little ideas will 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 turn into something later. You yeah. know. Uh, but that's as a little seed. It, it it is hard to 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 do any like complex process situation yeah. on pot for me anyway. Yeah, and for, for for me too. And and but I love like when I when I'm DJing, I DJ weekly. I mean, I'm more likely I'm it's most I'm probably stoned, you know. And there's something about listening to music and uh, presenting it to people with you know as a DJ or if I'm at home and I'm high it's like I'm, I'm not trying to work I'm trying to right. I'm trying to listen and really take it in because that's what I find pod to be amazing for is it really just like you said earlier like really there's this knob where, where I struggle to turn down and it takes your it gets rid of your criticism to an extent I think you you and, and, and me too are both very critical people and I don't mean that in a bad way but we're both we both um, I think it's a confidence. I think we're, we're just we're, we're confident in, in, in our in our, our process and, and. But we are. But I think there's certain people that that are. are I think you and I are, are, are tend to be very sensitive people and, and very sensitive to all the details and then and and critical about those details. True. Um, and it is hard to turn that off, you know. And I, I've I've had to learn over the years. That sometimes it's important to turn it off and let it go, and realize when it's very important to 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 follow that to the end of the to to to, to follow what specifically to, to follow that that um, discernment yeah. to the end, and when it's important for uh, you know good working relationships or whatever to just to acquiesce to. You know, to be mellow, be like, okay, whatever. Yeah, whatever you want to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and that's not easy. And, you know, I think you knew me in, in many years when I, I wasn't able to let go. Um, you know, I mean, there, I think there are benefits to both. But, yeah, know. I mean, I, I, I definitely, yeah, I mean, there's, you just find that there's, yeah, I, I guess I just can't work with these these guys over here or maybe you know it's, I think Jeff and I have such a great working relationship because he I'm sorry I'm trying to think of how to say this uh, Jeff enjoys you know just kicking back and he doesn't want to be in charge you know he doesn't want to be the one running Pro Tools and doing all this and that he, he does and he, he's great he, I mean he, he's done so much great stuff here on my system, but you know he he likes to just kind of hang out and when the vibes are going, like he he'll come in and maybe oh Jeff scratch some stuff or like you know how that is, man. Sure. Like, you know where 
you know, he, he, he likes to kind of play, play the background. And, you know, so that allows people, someone like myself who I do like to be in control. I do like right. to, to be the one running Pro Tools and, and running the session. So, you know, it's... He maybe not just, because just the type of guy who prefers to have a producer, so to speak. Yeah, that's that, somebody that, 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 that's basically what yeah. I'm saying. That's basically yeah. what I'm saying. And and, 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 and and that's what I do with with Jeff with Jell. Uh, his last album, Late Pass. You know, those are all tracks that he composed on his own, and then he would bring over to my place, and then you know he would he would utilize me as a producer, as a ring, uh, you know, help him arrange the songs and flesh out the the, the songs and. Not that he's, is, I mean, he's perfectly capable of doing that on his own, but I think he, he really enjoys having that, somebody playing that role for him. You yeah. Know, where, like, I don't, I don't, <clears throat> excuse me, besides, like, uh, Mike Patton, I've never really, I've never really worked with somebody where they were ultimately in control and they were uh, using me to, to just do a specific task. You know, it's I've never really experienced How did that, that work with Mike Patton? That was on the Peeping Tom project? Yeah, yeah. Um Well basically he, he, he had he had, he had you know, about two albums worth of material and the, the, the tracks were fairly rough. He played all the instruments himself. And he had certain samples that uh basically uh Jell and I our job was to recreate uh certain drum breaks, certain samples that, you know, like he, he had a Portishead sample. It was very obvious, you know, and it was like, well, you know, I can't put this out right, with this Portishead. So, so I, I can't remember which song that is, and I, I apologize, but it, so we recreated the, this Portishead break, and, you know, and, uh, or we would uh, grid his tracks up, you know, like he, some of his tracks, the, 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 the tempo would slip, uh, you know, to such an extent where he, Mike was not, he wasn't okay with that, you know. So we would chop his tracks up and get them locked into a to a, a nice grid that. Uh, I'm just trying to remember that situation. That was quite a while ago. So you basically helped him realize his vision there. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Like we, you know, uh, like I said, he had these great tracks. They were they were pretty rough, and we just. We came in and helped just polish him up, add to him, replace stuff, and then he he had the tracks mixed in L.A. I'm not sure who, who mixed them, but yeah. And then he had, ah, oh, whatever. <laughs> but in, in general, um, do do you work differently when you know you're working for a certain vocalist, or? You know, or, or whether you're doing something that's solo, or whether you're doing sort of what I asked you in the beginning about Serengeti stuff. But um, are there different methods you employ, or different like, do you know you need to leave space for a vocal in a certain way, or you know, or do you just kind of go on something and then later figure out what it's going to be? Yeah, it's hard to say. I, I it's just very intuitive. I just, I just, I just go. I, I don't, I don't really think about it. You know, um, I just, I just, I just turn, turn on and, and, and go. And, and it's, I mean, when I'm in person with, with Serengeti, when he's actually at my place and, and we're recording vocals, you know, he has a very, uh, he likes to just get in the booth, rap, and then get, and then he's, he's, he's sitting down and he's quiet, you know, he's on his phone or he's smoking a cigarette and like, we, 
you know, so I have to be ready. Like, okay, like you're ready to route. Okay, yeah, um, let's go. Let's do this. You know. Yeah. We're working with Jeff at Gel. It's it's you know he's he's pretty mellow. It's just you know, what do you want to do today? I don't know. It's you know we'll just kind of gradually get into something, and you know I just kind of. I'd let you, here, my place is your place. You just hang out. You can use my internet, whatever. You can take a dump. I don't care. Right. And then when you're ready to get into it, we'll get into it. You know. And there's there haven't been that besides your you know yourself and, and dose or soul for that matter. I Which was a long time ago working long time with us. Ago, yeah. yeah. So you really haven't worked with that many vocalists since then, other than Getty. Who else? I mean, other than Patton, some obviously. Yeah, I mean. Other than some remixes, it's pretty much been pretty much exclusively Serengeti. I mean, I yeah. For some reason, it, it just works with with him and I. And it's, it's interesting too because a lot of people, I often get asked, you know, like when, when's your next album coming out? And you know, I because lately I've just been putting up. I'm basically I'm at I'm at this point where I'm 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 finally getting all my old stuff off my hard drive all these like random beats instrumentals of this or that and I'm putting putting them out on my band camp okay there's different volumes and like I have my very first tape up on my band camp now no stom band camp um, but but anyways yeah so I, I'm not really interested in, in creating a solo no stom album like level live wires or burner I, I just don't really have any interest in doing that it's such a labor-intensive, you know, you're... I honestly don't even remember, remember what it was like to create those albums, you know, to, to like a 50-minute LP where it's, you know, the whole way through, it, it has to make sense, you know, and... Um, but the point is, is I, I met... When I met Serengeti, it was at that point where I was pretty much done with doing full-length LPs, and then he came in my life, and I was like, wow, I can... Finally, like, a rapper that I... I can work with, you know, and I really enjoy working with this guy. And Why do you think that is? Why? What, what makes it easy about him? I, I, he's just, I mean, you, you know, you know how he is. He's just, he's, he's, he seems to be very comfortable in his in his skin. You know? he just, he, he's sort of, he's, he's sort of uncomfortable in his skin. No, I mean, I mean, as an as an as an artist, man. Yeah. Like, like, I think he, yeah, he's super insecure, like all, like any of us are. But he, he's not a like he. He doesn't want to do what anybody else is doing. He just wants to do himself. Yeah. And and, and and that's what I feel like that's how I am. Like I I don't I like I'm a fan of all kinds of producers and I love music from it doesn't matter when it was made or what kind of music if it's good, I like it. I love it. But I don't really care to to keep up with what oh, this is what's hot this year. I got to do this, you know, like crap. I got to do that too now, like right. and I I think Dave is that way too where he, he you know, he just he just wants to do what he's doing, you know. And if and if it doesn't work out, he's gonna, you know, he tells me he's gonna get a job as a mailman and just, right, you know, and just quit rap altogether. Work it's it like, as I respect a, uh, that. It's like tech guy on the Steve Harvey show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> he was talking about that for a minute. Yeah, it's just it's interesting, you know. Like it, it seems like people like him are so few and far between, you know. I, I wish that I mean, you know, his, his guys like Open Mike Eagle and Bus Driver and some of these Hellfire club cats like no can do and you, you you meet these guys and you're like man these guys are fucking cool like they're yeah. just they just uh 
yeah, they're just they're just really cool guys that that are just down. Like they're not they're not fronting. They're not trying to you know. It, it, I just I just interviewed. There's, uh, there's that, it's that, it's that rapper, the ego, guy. man, like that the whole rapper ego syndrome, man. Yeah, like, well, we don't all have egos like that. Like, there's a lot of mellow rappers out there. No, there is, there is. I'm, and, I'm, and that's what I'm saying. I'm really glad that I met Serengeti when yeah. I did because I was ready to to go in a different direction with my music, and I was able to do that. And like yeah. I said, we're wrapping up our what our sixth, fifth project. You know, yeah. and it's it's I love it. I'm just so happy about it. Who, who who are some producers that 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 have that have that you've gotten into or that you really respect these days, and anybody that you're listening to, or do, or you pretty much stick to old music and and, and stuff. I mean, mainly I, I'm I'm interested in older music, you know, because like like I said, I, I'm always looking for vinyl, always bringing vinyl home, and I like to. This is another thing that I that I I I don't I don't want anybody else telling me that this is good or bad, you know, so, like, I don't read Pitchfork, I, I quit that a long time ago, I'll read a review if, like, you know, if, if I see Anticon tweets about, uh, young, young fathers, great review, like, I'll, I'll read it, you know, yeah. but, like, I'm not, I'm not, I don't learn about music through the internet like I used to, like, I'm, I'm all about, this record looks interesting, you know, this record's from 1962, and it's But that's this- how you started, that's how you started searching music out, right, because, like, you found Hood, from what you told yeah, exactly. me, as a random like c- cool looking album cover in, in everybody's records, and then you got deep into them. Then I got deep into them from you, and Adam got deep into them, and we ended up working with them and all that. And yeah, I mean, I'm actually uh, uh, I'm working with with Chris right now. Chris Adams from the the main guy behind Hood. He was on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he uh, he's got a project called Bracken. Uh, Anticon put out his first album but his uh, he has another one coming out on my f- f- some buddies of mine have a label called Borrow out of Chicago and they put out my my last uh, release which is called Trish it's like an all ambient cassette where'd you get the name for that can I ask is that a person let me finish this uh, right, sorry sorry so sorry. anyway so Chris Chris is a, is a, is a producer like, like you said I I randomly found the, the Silent 88, uh, Hood's Silent 88, which is uh, their second album. And, and the, the first one was there as well, but I, I, th- I thought Silent 88 looked more interesting to me, so I bought Silent 88, and then the next day I went back and got... Cable Linear. Cable Linear Traction, the first one, and just been hooked ever since, and I have pretty much all of all the seven inches, all his compilation appearances. I mean, I'm a almost, a, almost have a complete collection of all the hood releases but uh yeah so he has this uh, bracken project now where um you can still tell that it's chris you know he has that sensibility to it but his new stuff like as as a producer that i'm that i'm still following i mean chris adams is still he's got some new stuff that it nobody's heard it yet i mean like anytime i dj with serato I, there's like three tracks of his I've heard, that, I've heard that I always play i always play them the go-to yeah. And it's not the stuff's not even out yet, and it's I, I can't wait for people to hear it. But uh, what 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 about his sensibilities? Do you think draws just, you to him? He, it's clear that he knows. He just knows, man. He knows. He knows his equipment. And I think he's just you know he's been I, I don't know how long he's been making music. I know at least since the early nineties, but yeah, he was like old. fourteen. He was like fourteen when he started. I just, He's just one of those guys, man. He's just, he's got it. He's got the mots, you know. He just, <laughs> uh, yeah. He just, but yeah, like his his productions, 
techniques on, on the new Bracken, like you listen to that stuff in headphones and it's just, you know, re really lush production and things are flying around in the mix and a lot, lot, lot of fullness and the panning and he's, and he just covers, you know, from, from the very low to the very high, he's got it dialed in, you know, and I, I still haven't been to, I've never seen his work set up. I have no idea what, what he records on. He definitely uses a lot of analog stuff, which, you know, he did, does a lot of dub effects, which sound totally, totally analog. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I, we were, I, I'm, I'm a big fan too, man. I, uh, so you're, are you helping him with that Bracken record? I'm, I'm, I'm helping him with the design for the cassette. Okay. Uh, and of course, I've I've heard the material, and it's yeah, it, it'll probably come out sometime this year. Um, cool. But yeah, you 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 asked about Trish. Yeah, um, I'm just curious about. I'm sorry, I'm so tangential. I, that's, that's fine. Just that's how fine. I am. Yeah. Yeah, this is this has been a great interview so far. I mean, it, it's, it, it, I like I like to bounce around myself. Yeah. And, but yeah, uh, Trish. Tr you know, tr there's a band broad, broad the band broadcast. Uh, Trish Keenan. Broadcast is, you know, again, I, I don't like to be hyperbolic, so when I say that they're one of my favorite bands, I, I'm Broadcast is one of my favorite bands. Like I saw, them, I saw them both times they played San Francisco. I mean, unless they played more and I missed it, but amazing, amazing band. So Trish Keenan died a few years ago. Uh, I believe she had the swine flu. I thought it was pneumonia. Maybe it was both. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah. who knows what you read shit on the internet, but yeah. yeah um, so I had this material. Basically, Trish, uh, after I put out Level Live Wires, which was 2007, I started working on material for what I thought was going to be another full-length album. Solo. Very, very damaged and thick and textured. and um, Yeah, solo. Um, so that's what... The, the material on Trish is just a 25-minute EP, but it, it, it was all the stuff that I had been working on, but I just didn't... I didn't realize it, so I, I put the music away for a few years. What do you mean you didn't realize it? Well, I didn't really know what I was going for, but I was trying to top Burner and Level Live Wires. I was trying to do like, the, okay, let me make the ultimate, you know, five-minute no-stom track that just explodes at some point and then, you know, takes a long time to, like, you know, fade out and, you know all these false endings and, or false starts or whatever, the kind of stuff that I was doing back then. Just really indulgent, really, really, really labor-intensive, indulgent stuff. And uh, so, so again, I had these tracks, but I was like, uh, I got sidetracked with the, I did the, I, sorry. <laughs> sorry, the trains again, but. Yeah. They'll be gone, they'll be in Raleigh soon. Yeah, so uh, I got a job in 2007 to do or was it 2008? The, the, uh, to, to score the soundtrack for Element Skateboards, uh, they had a... Man, I'm really... Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of amazing to, to be sitting here with you and like yeah. thinking about all this. I'm getting all this sun right now. It feels great. Um, my nose is a little runny. So you, so you, had, you, had, you had... I got sidetracked. So I had this material that I thought was going to be my, my, my third... LP in that style, the Level Live Wires burner, and I just got bored. To be honest, I I I, I feel like I had, I had I had already accomplished that 
that particular vision, like I said, where it's just, you know, things explode and there's, there's all kinds of tape damage and false this and false that and just ghostly things. It very much like Boards of Canada, very much inspired by Boards of Canada. Um, and I, I just feel like I, you know, like I'm, I'm over this, like I can move on. And so this material that I had, I, it sat on my hard drives for four years, five years. And then I revisited the stuff and I came up with a track, which is the title track called Trish. And I, I got excited about the material. That was at the time, was that, did you make it at the time, like uh, as a tribute when she died? No, no, no. So this was maybe three or four years ago when I, when I, created the track that's called Trish okay and I had it was the the vocal sample that's on that track to me sounds very much like Trish from broadcast okay so I just that that was just the working name of the track it just you know so oh, I'm gonna work on Trish today you know right and just I just it just stuck you know and then when I when she she passed away and I eventually got that material that body of, of, of work to a point where and, 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 and actually what I did was I, I took all the drums out I, I had all these drums going on and oh here comes some other drums coming in and more drums and oh there's a delay on that drum and, and I was like you know what I'm getting rid of all this all the, no drums no drums you know so there's still a lot of rhythm with the samp the samples are all rhythmically locking together but there's no drums and it just you know I just decided to call it Trish uh as you know, Trish being the title track, and, and yeah, it was dedicated to Trish, Trish Keenan, and I, I believe she might she might be the only artist that I know of that I was that I followed very closely that that's died. I, do, do you? Um, I'm trying to think of. Oh, I don't know. I you know. There've been a lot, lot of, lot of people die. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. No, I'm just saying. But is, can you think Some, of someone that you were a big, artist? big fan of that you li listened yeah, to? Yeah, you're like you can't stuff. wait for the next album to come out. Right, you know? right, right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, what are you eating these days? That's a totally changed thing. But I'm curious about your diet. You, you know, you and I both always had different diet, diet. Uh, I, I was uh. I will say this, I can say confidently that I was, uh, I believe that I was duped by the whole, uh, the whole green, you know, vegan, uh, whole foods, you know, organic. And when I say duped, I mean that I, I dove into it without really understanding what it, what, you know, what what would it do to my body? You know, like if I were to just completely change my diet and then, and then be an asshole about it to other people. So when I say I got duped, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like I've, I just, I fell for it. I, I, I just blindly walked into it, you know, and just went for it. And you know, you were there, we, we, we did it together. I and, did the same thing. Yeah. And, uh, I will say though, that I learned a lot about my body. I learned a lot about diet. Um, I read so much when I was, you know, so I was vegan, what, uh, was in the... Almost 10 years, probably. I was it's, vegan. Yeah, I was, I was vegan, vegan 10 years. I was vegan think. for about seven years, and I've been non-vegan non, non, non -vegan for about almost maybe eight or nine years now. 
Yeah, because I'm, I'm 38 now, and I, I ate a piece of salmon on my 30th birthday. That was the first meat? Yeah, yeah, and I, and I felt this intense, like, uh, shock to my system. In a good way or a bad way? In, in, in a good way, in a good way. I mean, my mom, you know, she... I love my mom so much. She was the one that was like, you gotta, you gotta smarten up and, and get off this vegan trip because you're not doing it right or, you know, it's either not good for you or what you're, was you're happening not to doing you? it right. I was just losing weight. Uh, I think what, what really, what really fucked me up was, was, it was, the, it was all mental. It was like, uh, I just would obsess over every little ingredient, you know, like, oh, this has nuts in it. Well, I can't, I can't combine nut with with grain or, you know, because oh, you I, were I like mac macrobiotic stuff. I mean, yeah, I, I, I dabbled in, dabbled in all that stuff. You know, I just, uh, you know, whether it's the fake meats or the, the vegan cookies, the, the, the soy, this soy, that, you know, I, I got into all that and, 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 and I was a snob about it. I was a, a, a an asshole about it, you know? And, and, but I got to the point where my body, I lost, a lot of muscle mass and, and a lot of weight to the point where, you know, I, people around me were like, dude, what, what the hell's going on with you, man? And I was just like, fuck you. I know what I'm doing. Like, you know, and I was just, like I said, I would go to restaurants and be stressing out, you know, like constipated. A asking the audience, asking the waiter about every little thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, and going on tour, like, in the, in, and, you know, you're in Buttville, Oklahoma, and, you you know, you, 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 you're lucky to find, like, a salad, man. Like, you know, it... So yeah, so what, what was I? What was I going with just, that? Just talking about basically, like I got to the point where people were like, "Yo, you, you look unhealthy, man," and that which which seems to happen to most of the vegans that I know or have known, uh, if they're vegan long enough and they're not doing it right or however it is that you got to do it, uh, I don't understand how you do it. Um, so if it works for, for people, like that's great. Like you, you do you do do whatever you got to do. But just know. But just but I'm talking to other people here. Just know that that's fake meat shit. That's soy shit. All that processed shit. It will catch up to you. You can't do it like that. That's not. You can't survive like that. Yeah, you know, and the other problem that I mean, I'll I'll be honest, man. Like I was I was constipated throughout a lot of that period of time being a vegan because and I, I think a lot of it was mental. Where you're, you're stressed, you know, like. It, where am I going to find, like, some tofu or, like, you know, like a veggie burger? Like, or you're in a restaurant, and you, like you said, you're asking the waiter all these questions, and you're just st you're stressing you're stressing out over something that you, like. So, again, I learned a lot, and then around 28, uh, the age of 28, my mother was like, you got to eat some eggs. you got you got to do this. And I was, I was actually in Barcelona at my grandmother's house. My mother's from Barcelona, and... Uh, when, when, when I showed up that summer, my mom was just like, you're going to eat. Yeah, yeah. It was a, a grita con, uh, what, what, what do they call it? Basically the Spanish omelet. It's just yeah. eggs and potatoes. And, you know, I mean, I it, I had to force myself to do it. And it was a very difficult time in my life. And I was very angry. And I, I a lot of my relationships with people, just things just kind of fell apart for me in a lot of ways. And, you know, I... I had that realization where I had to like really like, you know, look at myself and be like, "What the fuck am I doing?" Yeah, let go of that particular bit of control or something. Yeah, it's like the, like I, I I can't believe like it was like a, it was like a it was such a blur. It was like I can't believe I was doing that for the last seven or eight years. Like, what the fuck was I doing? You know, and 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 like I said, I ate, I had my, I had my first 
piece of fish when I was 30. I'm 38 now, and you know, I I love cooking. I cook for myself almost every day. Uh, my girlfriend and I, we, we we love to go to nice restaurants. You know, we we, we eat a lot of uh, charcuterie, um, a lot of fish, a lot of chicken. I've I dabble in beef sometimes. It's still not something that I enjoy that much, but I but I. Every now and then a burger, you're like, wow, like, this is what, a, like, you know, where, where, where we grew up, if, if you ate a burger, you know, unless you're, I mean, it was McDonald's or it was Wendy's or it was Burger King, you know, and I stopped eating burgers before I even knew what a vegetarian was because I was sick of the, the way that it made my body feel, you know, and, uh, but yeah, like anymore, I'm just, I'm super relaxed about food, like I. Do you not have any particular thing that you do, you just kind of try to do what feels good or what i mean i guess if you had to label it as I, I i guess i'm more on sort of the paleo diet kick where it's you know a lot of vegetables greens um i, I eat a lot of seaweed i eat a lot of uh, uh fermented foods you know there's there's here in berkeley you can get all kinds there's there's a there's a company called uh culture where they make amazing sauerkrauts, kimchi, and then these are raw; they're unprocessed, so they have all the 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 uh, bacteria, the bacteria, the lactobacillus, and whatever they're called. They have all that stuff in there, and you can tell. Like I'm, I'm never constipated, never. You know, I'm a regular guy, and I, I wasn't when I was vegan or vegetarian. So you feel a lot better. Oh yeah, yeah, it's way better. I'm way more mellow, and you know, and I, I don't stress. Like if, like if if if, if I have a large plate of food you know like i don't feel like i need to eat it all i'll eat until i'm like you know i'm good you know and i'll put the f f i often will cook myself cook for myself and perhaps I'll, oh i made too much food i'll just eat that later you know right. like, I, don't, I don't i don't stress you know and like like i said though I, I i really do i know that my diet is is is, is working for me now you know i i, I Mm-hmm. It feels right. And, and a lot of it is just I'm not I don't stress about it, you know. I, I don't I don't trip, you know. Do you, do but I don't I don't I don't eat processed food. I don't eat you know, like I try to stay organic. I try to if if, if we're eating uh animal flesh, we try to get free range. Free range, yeah. grass fed, you know, all that stuff. Um it's more expensive but you know, like the eggs that I buy, they're nine dollars a carton, you know. And yeah. Pastures. Oh yeah, free range, yeah. grass fed. I mean, you know that that's what's that's how it's advertised, and I do look into it as much as I can, like whether they have a website or not, and just go to it and say, like, okay, this brand, I'll keep buying this this brand. You know? But if you think about it, nine dollars for eggs—that's not even that much. Like that's the thing is, like when you think about what it is, and I actually just saw uh, Aziz Ansari recently, and he was talking about eggs, and he was like, yeah, you can buy eggs for like two dollars, one dollar, two dollars a carton. It's like that's insane. You know what I'm saying? Think about that. Like, you're having six breakfasts for fucking $2, a dollar. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, it should cost $9. It's coming from a lot, a living fucking thing. Or me, like, I'm, I'm, I'm always, like, astounded at how cheap, like, I just bought some, like, fucking free-range chicken legs for, you know, like, $2, like, for four drumsticks I'm like what like that doesn't make any sense this is a life well that's the thing that I find fascinating about money in our in our the way we view money it's you know but we'll bitch about that money for something else like well, exactly like you'll you know like 
me and my girl we'll, we'll go to a restaurant and we'll drop 60 bucks right. but then I'm in a I'm in a record shop and I'm like oh they, they want 20 for this for this album right like an album that I know is great and then I'll I'll cherish for the time that I'm that I'm around and, and I and I, I question like twenty dollars for a great but album. food is a good thing to spend money on I do feel that way like I just my thing is like like I I try to see things for what they are, and I, and I study a lot. Like, I listen to a lot of podcasts these days, and I'm very interested in like our poss- the possible, uh, the real history of of, of, of our species. And uh, I don't mean to digress here. I I, uh, I just try to see things for what they are, and, and like, what is money? Like, money is just it's like fuel, you know. It's, it's something that like, oh, I got some money, I can I can go get this, you know. Like, I I don't I don't. I mean, you see how I live. I live very simply. I don't need a bunch of dumb shit. You know, like I, I uh, except records. Yeah, 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 for sure. But I mean, like, I'm, I'm, I'm into just high quality stuff. You know, like yeah. I, I don't wear crappy shoes anymore. I wear Mephistos, which are I'm, these are actually my fourth pair of Mephistos. I never thought I would start collecting shoes. You know, it's like I, you know, I know these guys that have like forty pairs of Nikes, and it's like that's cool. Like some of those, yeah, but. That's funny too, yeah. So, Mephisto, they're they're a French brand, and I was walking on Fourth Street where they have uh, a very large, supposedly it's the largest uh, U.S. store, and I saw this crappy little sign where it was like Mephisto, world's best walking shoes. And again, like I, I I'm not I'm not I'm not in a hy- hy- hyperbole, you know, and everything. Oh my God, it's the best ever. And so it's like, far, well, you've had three hyperboles. <laughs> oh, you. Well, go on. So you're just saying they're your favorite. Shoot. It's true. That's what I'm saying. Like I, I try. I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying, man. I'm trying. I'm working on it. No, it's good. You, 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 I, I think I, there's nothing wrong with with being. Uh, it's amazing. Su- superbolist. It's am- what do they call? It? It's amazing call? how hyper hyperbolic we, we are as a. Yeah. It's just. It, I think it's good to be excited about stuff, though. Ridiculous. Oh yeah, yeah. No, no. But I'm saying so. When you see a sign, it's like world's best walking shoe. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, like. I want the world's best walking <laughs> shoes. I'm, I'm I'm sick of these Vans. I'm sick of these Chucks. You know, yeah. like let me get some real support because you know, like I, you, you know how it is when you're when you're at a club and you know DJing, you're standing for hours. Yeah. You know, and uh, so I was like, all right, all right, let's go, let's go look at, let's go see if they're the world's best walking shoes. And I, I checked the shoes out and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna get a pair. I dropped over three hundred bucks on a pair. And I, Jesus, I mean, seriously? Yeah, yeah, they're they're handmade. I'll show them to you, man. Yeah. And I was like, these. Are fucking amazing shoes, and like I, I, I have a bit of a trick knee from s- skateboarding as a, as a kid, and and it would it, it's been bothering me recently, especially when I'm DJing, when I'm standing for hours, wearing these Mephistos, never problem problems gone. Cool. So they're, they're basically Support. like they're they're designed for su- supporting your skeletal system. So you know if you go to a chiropractor, and they're like, well maybe you should check, maybe you need some better shoes. They the, they often will send them to Mephisto. Let's try to get Dave a sponsorship, Mephisto. Yeah, yeah. I love their shoes, man. I got I got a pair of loafers. I got a pair of outdoor, like, tough-ass loafers. And then I got the their, their top-of-the-line walking shoe. And then I just got these boots, these Gore-Tex boots. Yeah. So I've, I've been getting... Brand loyalty right there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I get the shoes off eBay. Like, I bought one pair from the store, and then I've, I've gotten the other three off of eBay. Cool. Yeah. Anyways, so we're, we're 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 deep in here. We 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 got a lot of material here. Anything else that we should talk about? What did we? I mean, we skipped a lot of stuff over the years, but anything else that that um 
I was gonna ask you about your your uh, high school gangster days. You know, that's interesting stuff. That's <laughs> negative. Maybe you don't want to talk about that. Yeah, just stupid shit, man. Listen, you know, we were listening to gangster rap and thinking we were right, whatever. Yeah, we we don't need to talk about that. Um, what else, man? Anything else that that uh, that we should cover? Dude, is this some fucking this time? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, what? What? What about you? What? What do you think? What do you? Uh, what's up with why? What, I, I know you. You did some. You did something with uh, Joyful Noise. Yeah. Well, is there? Is there? An, do you have an album coming? What's going on? No, nothing what really. The, fan, the fans. Are, <laughs> God, they need to know, man. Uh, I, you know, I talk about it fairly regularly on here, but I, right. you know, I did that little solo. Um, mixtape thing I don't know if you knew about that and by the way man that was an amazing show that your show with Serengeti and Joe and I I was lucky to DJ it along with Colin who had you no friends that was that was was a great night that was one of the best shows that I've played again I'm being hyperbolic (laughs) it was one of the best shows I've done in years for for real it was everything about it was on point vibes were right the fans were great people were there like nobody was tripping it was awesome yeah, I, so thank I, so thank you for that. Of course, thank you. It was for, super for last minute, it, but yeah, yeah. Asking Jeff to, to do a, a, a three man job. <laughs> I did, yeah. You did. <laughs> I wasn't thinking. Yeah, that's all. Um, but yeah, I thought that was great. Uh, you know, I'm working on little things here and, and there. You, and you you sampled a, a hood track. You made a beat out for of for that hood show. Track, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, that was pretty dope. And man. that so that's on the mixtape that I did as well. Um, that. But what about Cloud Dead? I mean, we've talked about. Reissuing that stuff, doing a box set. I, I, I still want to do it. Should we? Should I, I, I still want to do it. I don't. I don't know. How do, how do we? I kind of left it in your hands. You and Sean to kind of talk, hash it out, and figure out what to, when to do it. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't because I don't I can't like play that role. Like that. <laughs> I need somebody to just tell me like, Dave, we need we need masters. We need right. you know, can you dig out these photos like that? Somebody, it'd be great if we can get somebody, whether it's Sean or not, to, to be to, the controlling factor. You know, to just uh, yeah. Be the director. Just make, yeah. make it all happen, and I'll do what I got to do. Well, I, I love that. I mean, and I've had a lot of people uh, that have been asking about that because I've, I've mentioned it on the podcast, actually. Uh, and people are definitely, you know, would look forward to it. I'd like to do it with The Region Quiet, too, honestly. Uh, tw- we're, 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 what, 12 years from that release already, you know. I, and you I, feel, I mean, you feel good about the, all of the material, right? I mean, the album from start to finish. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd love to. I'd love to. I'd love to remix. Obviously, it doesn't sound that great, but even just remastering. You I know. Th- you know, I don't think it was ever even mastered. Honestly. I don't think so either. It's very quiet. Yeah. I lo- you know, I loaded the tracks up off the Mush CD. Yeah. And I was like, this is this is not mastered. Like, well, if we if we gave it if we gave it to someone that that uh, that's really uh, astute, we could probably get that sounding pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I listened to it maybe a year ago, and I was, I just, I didn't want to turn it off, man. I just was like, wow, this is I've actually so been, many ideas. I've so been many... itching to listen to it. I, I, when we were talking about it, I started listening to shit on YouTube. I don't have it, but I started listening Dude, on, I'll, I'll on you YouTube. I'll give you a copy. I have, I have CDs. All right. And, um, <clears throat> or I can even just put it in my computer now and do that, or I can take a copy or whatever. Um. And I was loving what I was hearing. I, 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 I spent a night stoned out going through YouTube trying to find anything I could on there. But there's only like five or six tracks on YouTube. 
Uh, and I, I really wanted to listen all the way through in headphones. That was like yeah. what I wanted to do. That's really what that album is, you know. That was a, that was an interesting time because that was right. <clears throat> Adam had already moved, or Dose had already moved to That's California. Right. That's right. And you were, we both dropped out of art school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were going to UC, and I was going to the art academy. We both dropped out. We got we got a little advance to to make the album. Two two thousand dollars. I I we had, stepped our game up. Got an MPC two thousand. You got a, right. a VS eight eighty. That's right. That's right. That's right. We each got a thousand dollar gear from our. So that was two thousand. So we we spent the entire. We spent year. a year. We spent one year on that album, yeah. um, working on it a, a lot, all the time. A I lot was, of stuff like I, you know, I would make. I was also working at Wild Oats. Yeah. And that's, you, that's right. Yeah. yeah. We would each do stuff on our own, and then we would shout get together. Out, you shout Wild Oats out or Whole Foods. You shout Amy's out. <laughs> One of those. Go organic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> God. Some silly stuff on there. But, I mean, that's part of what the charm of it, I think, is how silly that album is. But that's, that's I think, I feel like that's the album where I really got my footing as, as, a, as a producer, songwriter. I, I, I felt like I was starting to get a feel for what I liked. Yeah. You know, um. yeah, because you, you you were doing a lot of stuff on your own. There's a lot of solo tracks on there where I, I had nothing to do with a lot of those tracks, and they're, they're just there's great little pop songs that you real real lo-fi, very interesting production techniques, and and you know, and we have those three tracks, the oh the the, the yeah B sides or whatever you want to call well, it, the, just the three tracks we've never released: the Drink the Bleach, <laughs> yeah, and uh, uh, the Roses, right. That's right. an amazing track. I like that one. It's yeah. a long five minutes. You're you're screaming, playing the drums. It's yeah. awesome. That's right. Yeah, it was a very interesting time though, because we were, Anticon was, and Cloud Dead were, were were starting to pop off a little bit. Yeah. And most of the Anticon guys were already had already moved to California. We were the last two. That was like that was our calling card, I think, for the two of us. I, that's how I felt anyway. It was like okay, like gotta show them what we can do on yeah. this shit and like you know and and hone in and and focus and you know that's how i felt about that um and i, I still i still really like that one i I'd, I'd love to listen to it all the way through uh obviously it's pretty lo-fi i mean i think at the time we had trouble even the cloud dead times like we had trouble getting the vocal where it should be within the music. Well, we didn't even know what a compressor was. I remember, exactly. I remember exactly. with, uh, <laughs> we sit there and ride vocals like, like, you know. One of my fondest memories is '98 uh, when Buck sixty five came out to the to where you, you and Dose were living together to record uh, what is it North American Adonis? Yeah. And we were using my eight track to record on, and I remember Buck was like. He, he did his verse. It was amazing. And he was like, "Just put some compression on that." <laughs> right. And I was like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> Yeah. Put compression on this. So right. yeah, and then there, that was the know, first time you heard then, that was, term. Yeah, and I was okay. Like, well, I, I don't know what that is, but yeah. I, you know, I looked into it and it was oh okay. This and it's taking me a long time to understand compression. And you got but like yeah, a that, D- I remember you had like a DBX like uh, rack mount compressor at some point or one of those, right? Something like that. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was like a PV or PV. Just something. Just something cheap. It was like a hundred bucks. I, I didn't know how to use it. Yeah. It's. T- I mean, it's amazing how. How like once you really hear compression and how it works, God, it makes all the difference, man. Well, 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 Robert, for one of the advances, he gave us this little Joe Meek compressor, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe I bought it from him. I don't remember, but 
I didn't really know. He just kind of explained what settings to generally keep it at, and it was pretty conservative. Yeah. And I just kind of kept it at that, and that helped a little bit. But that was later, anyway. Maybe on the second cloud day. But we also we we had tr- like mixing tricks where you know we knew that oh this this part of the vocal coming up is going to be loud. So right, we turned it down. Or, yeah, yeah. You remember some of the mixes we mix downs we do? Remember when we did a uh, bike? The, well, I the, talked the about that to Adam. Day? Yeah, it was like. I think we had it was all three of us, and then we had to get Tommy Controller Seven to come over to be the 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 fucking eighth and ninth hand, or the seventh and eighth hand or whatever. Yeah, so many fingers on them on them. I mean, and, and, and we would mix to to us to a, a, a CD burner. Was that to the CD burner or was that to the debt? Because you had a debt. No, that's right. That's right. I mean, I'm yeah. I'm I'm talking about with uh, when we when we mixed the uh, what's that. 10 inch called the, the last cloud dead 10 inch the um sound of a handshake no 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 the the last one that's on the album that has like oh, bike oh that's called bike is it called bike right I don't know I think so anyways um yeah so we, we, we mixed that material here in California okay and that's when we needed we, we needed that whatever extra 17th finger or whatever yeah <laughs> I yeah, remember at, at we so that was to, to CD burner. That was to at, a CD that was burner. at Adams, and I still have those CDs. I have like five of them, and okay. there's like 30, 30 tracks on each one where it was like, oh, somebody fucked up, okay. a, you know, a minute into the track and got to start over. And, okay, I mean, we, we we probably spent I don't know how many hours just just trying to get a mix that was like from start to finish. It was oh, we, that one that, that was works. okay, yeah, and it was never spectacular, but it was like ah, oh, that, yeah. that that that's what we were going for, um, you know and. Wearing headphones and shit, you know, like we, we never had monitors. It was like, you know, always very. Yeah. Yeah, we were mixing in headphones mostly. I I feel like. Now at your house, you had some little cheap speakers, kind of. Yeah, it was a it's a Panasonic boombox, yeah. which I still use and I still haven't used it. Yeah. But um. Yeah, I mean, we just uh. We learned as we went. It's just again, like you know, like we were talking about earlier, like you just you just feel this serious passion for, for like you really want to make some music you really yeah. want to like express something or whatever you know like you really want to nod your head to something that you that you put together and you just I, I was like I'm going to figure this out no matter what I don't care what it takes you know compression but a buck 65 hit me to that okay I'll, I'll look into it you know right you know like whatever it is you know and oh, oh it's like with Jell when I met Jell he had the SP1200 and I was like how like he Basically, what he had that I didn't was a sequencer, you know? And so I was over there, like, I didn't have a sequencer. You mean, so, like, when he came down and visited Cincinnati and shit? Right, this is when they did North American Adonis, which yeah. was, like, summer 98. And that's, sequencer that's the makes first all, time the, that, all the difference, I well, guess. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. That's, that's that's what I think is interesting about the, the 202, the Dr. Sample, is that it doesn't have a sequencer. So I, I, I learned how to sequence by ear, where I'd have a, you know, I'd get a drum loop. And I'd record that to tape for like a minute or two, and then I'd find a sample that I thought went well with it, but it would always start to slip. So a lot of my early production, like Plan 9, even the Cloud Dead, the early Cloud Dead stuff, those pieces are so short because... Right, it only works for like 39 yeah. seconds before it yeah, starts to slip. Yeah, and then it starts to slip where it's too... Okay, it's really slipping now, like we've got to fade this out. Or you can, or you could obviously press pause and then restart it somehow, have a little break or whatever. But yeah, yeah. All with little tricks to make it work. Yeah. I was, I was just too. Uh, 
I didn't want to work on it that much. I just wanted to just do it. And then, yeah. so if it was a 40 second beat and it faded out, you know, just when you were getting into it, that's that's how you know. Right. I, I didn't. I, I always liked that though. I liked how that sound. It was very. Um, but back then too, I you know I didn't, I didn't think anybody was ever going to hear this music. I I was right. making beats to listen to on my way to art school, you know, and I, I didn't never occurred to me that I would ever meet anybody and do music with them. I was doing music by myself. I didn't right. I didn't have anybody else around me. But yeah, so so when I met Joe, he had the SP twelve hundred and he was making these beats right then and there, and he had a Crater Records, and it was just like how how is he able to get these drums and these samples? I mean, it sounds silly to even say this but like how the hell is he getting these these samples to line up right and it's like oh it's a sequencer you know like, oh, I, I, I need to get a sequencer then. right and then you got the, the MP MPC not 2000 much later yeah alright I think I think we're good man I've been sitting here with David Masson in his uh, patio nice day breezy sunny train trainsy um, and uh, yeah, I want to hear that sub. Let's go hear that sub and smoke that uh, train record or whatever that's called. <laughs> champagne. champagne. You want some champagne? Yeah, I would love some champagne. I love a glass of bubbly. All right, All right say bye to the people. Later, y'all. Later, y'all. Wandering Wolf Podcast at gmail.com. You can donate to that on PayPal. You can buy my rap tape, Old Dope, on uh, yoniwolf.bandcamp.com. Not the physical tape. You have to see me in person to buy the physical tape, though I may sell them at some point after Texas uh, on the internet. At Yoni Wolf on Twitter. I don't know. Find me. Say hi. I get lonesome like the next guy. I'm on all the websites. I'm on all the social medias. Reliably yours, Yoni Wolf. Take care of my baby. Like that.